Welcome to the 7 Days to Amazing podcast, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week. Now your host, Sharon Haver of FocusOnStyle.com, helping you live the life that others only dream about so you can be the best at being you. Hello, Sheiksters. I am Sharon Haver, and you are truly about to be amazed. I have a fantastic guest on today's episode of 7 Days to Amazing. The best quote to sum up what Gita Nutcarney brings to the table is from her best friend, Nancy. She's annoying in that way that only truly inspiring people are. Yuck, yuck. So, Gita inherited her zeal for storytelling from her dad, who used to get his three daughters to tuck him into his bed and massage his feet while he wove intricate tales of spies, killer monkeys, and farting dragons. Oh, my gosh. Any residual resistance to the call of the pen was dismissed the summer she turned 10 when Mr. Nat Carney forced his girls to write three essays a week or they couldn't go out and play. Gita got her first paid an international writing gig at age 12. Not too shabby, right? And the more than two decades since, she's worked for CBC, CNN, Global TV, Reader's Digest, the Montreal Gazette, Asia Pacific Broadcasting, and more, producing print, TV, radio, and new media. She currently contributes to Inc., Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, and Global TV. She was voted Best TV Personality by the readers of the Montreal Mirror and has been featured in the Montreal Book of Everything. She's here because she made the conscious decision to rewrite her life and fill it with joy, adventure, big stages, and opportunities that scare the pants off of her. Other things she is famous for, laughing uncontrollably, look out, it's infectious, her complete unwillingness to be reasonable, reasonable is for suckers, and giving the best hugs you'll see. I first saw Gita speak at a huge speaker event a few years ago in Washington, D.C., and I was absolutely taken with her, her straight talk and her vivacious personality. It's a crazy event. I actually sprained my ankle at it, so I was a little bit crabby, to say the least. Luckily, I married to a podiatrist who was able to basically airlift me a walking path so I could make it through the rest of the event, and most of the speakers who were there were not making my swollen ankle feel too good. But Gita stood out, and I have been following her ever since, and I'm sure you will love her as much, too. So welcome, Gita. I am delighted to have you here today. I think I might have to record that intro and play it on loop every day. <laughs> that is just so flattering. Thank you, Sharon. Super nice well, to thank you so much. Maybe I should just, should I follow you around, you know, and I could just, like, whisper That would be amazing. <laughs> yes, please. Can I adopt you? Yeah. I'm, well, you know, Montreal is like one of <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking before. Montreal is one of my favorite cities, and I'm in New York. It is in Montreal. Back, way back when, I used to go to Montreal a lot and absolutely loved it. And when I was thinking about college, you can see how far back I'm going, I actually thought about McGill for a bit. And my dad said, well, why don't you just go there in the winter? And I did. And I saw how cold <laughs> it was. So I stayed in New York. But I, we have a place in Wyoming. I married a skier. So I'm totally into, like, the frigid cold. But out west, it's dry cold. And Montreal is east coast. So it's in your bones chill. And it's also really hot in the summer. Putting those two things aside, I managed to get plenty of Montreal time in, in spring and fall. So <laughs> it's such it's a great an amazing city. city. I love it. Yeah, I just love it. It really is. I mean, to be fair, I grew up in Mumbai. So for uh. me to go from, you know, I think in centigrade or Celsius, because that's Canada and India both do. Uh, but we went from basically plus 35 degrees in Mumbai, which is what it is most of the year, <laughs> to minus 35 Celsius. Um, it was quite the leap, and, you know, it would have to be a really special city to make that to make that logical. And, and <laughs> I moved to Montreal. I moved to Montreal in the summer, of course, and um, I don't know if everybody knows this, but we have the most incredible – festival season all yeah. summer so we have the jazz festival the comedy festival the you know black african festival music festival we have 
all kinds of different. And it's all free. We shut down half of downtown, so it's walking only. It's just magic. We take summer. So we basically cram, you know, 12 months worth of fun into the three months of summer because we take it really seriously because it's so cold the rest of the time. But, yeah, you have to come visit. It's amazing. Yeah, well, the whole old Montreal area is amazing. When I was there last, it was over Canada Day, which was, was it July 5th, I think, or it's right around July 4th. Oh, July, July, July. Oh, okay. And we went to the jazz festival. We were staying in this really beautiful. Actually, if you go to Focus on Style and Google Montreal, I, I wrote up a post and about those espadrilles we were talking about. Cause the best espadrille stores <laughs> in Montreal of all places. But and and we were there, and I just loved it. I mean, I was amazed because you know I've been going to Montreal pretty regularly since I was a kid, and how the whole downtown old Montreal area has changed, and it's just so beautiful and. You know, it's it, especially from, you know, people in the U.S., it's like going, you know, for New York, it's like a 55-minute flight. So it's like going to Europe without, you know, without jet lag. So it's just great. Totally. <laughs> Plus, you have such a cute yeah. prime minister. So, you know, that should keep people wanting to go there even we more, do. too. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, like, how did you get into all of this? I know that you were a journalist for a long time, and, and that's one of the things I also love about you. I had a column on the Scripps-Howard Newswire. So I always have a special place in my heart for people who have, you know, who are journalists, and in my case, with ink in my blood. And you also were able to be on, on different sides of media as a journalist, as a a speaker as teaching people how to get in front yep. of journalists. So, you know, we have a similar yep. background and, and just being, you know, all over and seeing it as, as the whole. So with that commonality, can you just tell a little bit of, you know, how you got started and how you made the shift and how you're helping others right now? So the whole thing started, um, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, writing for me used to be something that I absolutely hated until my dad forced us to write those three essays a week. So he basically pushed me. You know, I, I don't know if other people have this in their lives, but sometimes the thing that you're the most resistant to is what you most need. There is mm-hmm. there is some kind of weird fear vortex that happens around your calling, and sometimes you tend to be very, very resistant to making that leap to say, okay, no, I'm going to learn to master this. And writing was that for me. I hated it with a passion. Um, And it's only thanks to my dad that I was able to unlock that because he gave us each a scrapbook that summer. And we would, and he would give us different assignments. So we would cut images out of magazines and stick them in there and create fictitious characters. And he would, uh, and then we'd write book reviews of our favorite bedtime stories. We'd write reports on family outings. I mean, he would sit patiently and, and, you know, correct them or give us feedback in an age-appropriate way to be like, you know what, this headline is not as strong as it could be, or you should have used a metaphor here, it would have been stronger, this body copy is sloppy, here's what you could do. And by giving me the mechanics, he kind of demystified this thing that seemed just entirely too huge and complicated and, and opaque to me. He basically got me through the membrane of resistance and into it where I could swim around and touch things and just, you know, and, and he'd explain how the things worked. And it was just the most amazing feeling. And so I fell completely in love with the process. And, you know, I'm Indian. I grew up in India. And uh, the stereotype about Indian parents is somewhat true in that they, they expect you to get a quote-unquote real job, which basically means, you know, it's very stable, it's high paid, it's, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an engineer or whatnot. I was lucky that my dad himself was a journalist and a management consultant, so there was some openness there. So, But everybody thought I was going to get a quote-unquote real job, and I never did because I just basically kept writing on the side, and then I ended up moving to Singapore and working as a journalist there, and then moving to Montreal with a man that I'm no longer with, um, and I essentially fell into television because I got invited to do a, a, a screen uh, a, a screen test at a time when I had zero clue how to do a screen test. I had never thought about working in television. Basically, what happened was I'd gone to a writing workshop. I'd met this other girl. She worked for a production company. They'd hired. Uh, they they were doing all these different ethnic shows, so the Indian show in, in in English and the Armenian show in Armenian, the Greek show in Greek, whatnot. And they'd hired, they'd just rebranded their Indian show. They'd hired a pair of co-hosts, a man and a woman. And the female co-host had given them the wrong phone number 
Oh. He never called them back. So they were, so they were freaking out. They were a week away from their pilot, and they were like, "Oh my god, we don't have a female co-host." And Natalie was like, "Hey, you know what? This met this girl, and she might be perfect." And so I literally get a phone call saying, "Hey, can you come in for a screen test?" And I was like, "All right," because <laughs> I don't say no when opportunity knocks. I do not say no. I yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, so us. Stay right? up all night and figure it out and go. <laughs> exactly. And here's a really magic part about this story. At the time, I had just broken up with the guy that I had moved to Montreal with. The person who did the screen test, and I have been married for, we've been together <laughs> 10, uh, 13 years. Yeah. So that so it's just like, and he likes to tell everyone, he's like, yeah, I gave him a first job in television. <laughs> he's there in the background here. Yeah. And now we work together. So, yeah. That worked out really well. I'm really glad. It worked out really well. But that's actually really funny because I I have a Jewish background. And the reason why I have a degree in business and marketing and PR is because my mother also was like a writing fiend. And she's like, you're getting a real job. And I'm like, I kind of want to be in fashion. She goes, no way. That's not an education. (laughs) You're getting a real job. Yeah. So I I went to school and, you know, I have a a BBA in, in marketing with PR and I was in it really briefly and then went into fashion, but I also, my mom was crazy. When I had my column and I would have to write something and even through school papers, I would call her up and she had this amazing ability of like being able to edit on the phone. And she'd be like, nope, 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 mm. semicolon there, period there. You didn't have to come. I'm like, how does, can she see it through the telephone? <laughs> and it's just like to this day, it's like when I write, I hear my mother's edit through the phone. Aww, so that's yeah. awesome. My so dad got me a really cool tip, by the way, for punctuation, uh-huh. is read it out loud. And I still use it, and it has yeah. served me so well, both for writing and for speaking, is when you read it out loud, basically, if you breathe right, and most of us do, um, it's pretty obvious where the commas, the commas are the short pauses, the full stops are the long pauses, the semicolons are, okay, I'm pausing to give you a second to collect this idea before I introduce a, a connected idea. Um, and yeah, it's just once you get that breathing thing and you can actually read it out loud, you can see when a, when a sentence is going on too long, you'll know when to cut it off. Yeah, it's, it's true. That's, that's what I do with my mom. And it's a really good tip. It's just like if anyone, you know, also I know a lot of times when you get, like when we do transcripts and they come back and the transcriptionist just does it in like this one long run on sentence and you're like, whoa, (laughs) you know, like, Pause, edit, comma, period, capital. So um, I know a lot of people get bogged down in social media and they spend so much time in it. As I was saying before, like out of all my platforms, Instagram is probably my, my lowest following. And it's, it's mostly because I, I love it. I love, I love looking at people's beautiful, you know, it's like my fashion magazine to look at during the day in the feed. But the amount of time for me, especially being a professional and being on photo shoots for 15 years and wanting to create these like savvy images and cool things. And it's a lot of time. And I always wonder, is that time the best spent? And I know it intimidates a lot of people who don't have, an, you know, the instinct to put it together. And you get so much more power and so much more credibility and reach when it's legit media. And when I was listening to you talk a few times, I know this is something that you also believe in and you you teach people. And just for the record, I've counted because we had to do it. I've been interviewed or in the media in some shape or form. Oh, it's almost a thousand times. If you break it down, it's about half of that is our interviews of some sort where I was on camera, interviewed, quoted, whatever, something where I was the right. person they were asking. About 400 of those were the newspapers I was in when I had my column. And then there's probably about another 100 or so when I was a stylist. So it's, it's, it's a pretty big chunk of things that I've been in. And one of the other things that I know that kept me on when I was online was for a long time, I was number one for fashion expert. I was actually for 10 years in Google number one. And that was SEO and it's the authority links and the credibility from being in the media so much. So I know I've got some big shoes here, but I did it because I was kind of trained that way and it came, it was organic to me. And you were one of the first people mm-hmm. I've ever seen who actually teaches people to do what I've been doing that just kind of became organic for me, but I never really broke it down. Mm-hmm. And you know, it works folks. You know, I've had some really good stuff come because of the media. So can you like break it down for other people and, you know, 
what what was sort of second nature in my in my little sure. brain and let people know how they can do it because I never even thought of it that way. Sure. So, you know, this all came down to sort of bitter experience for me. So I've been in the media. I've worked, you know, after Singapore, I ended up in Montreal. I fell into television. I won those viewership awards, blah, blah, blah. I had my own radio show, and I was on TV, and I was still freelancing on the side. So for me, I've come to pitching the press from a variety of different ways. So on one hand, I've received so many press releases, thousands and thousands and thousands Mm. of press releases over the course of my career. I have also always, always freelanced on the side. It's kind of a habit of mine. And so even when I was on staff at the CBC or when I was on staff at the Gazette or whenever, I would always freelance on the side and be pitching editors with whom I did not have an established relationship. So it was a cold call, essentially, in email form or in written form. Um, and then now as a business owner, I do exactly what many of our listeners would do, which is to pitch as a business owner, to pitch a story that has value. So I've come to pitching from all kinds of different energies and all kinds of different ways, and I have spent most of my life in those morning meetings with watching decision makers make decisions, senior producers, everybody who has that decision-making power, and I've had that power myself, where I'm like, all right, yeah, this is the story that's going to go on the edge. This is the one that gets cut. This is never going to happen. Or, you know, wow, I love this story. Let's let's call her up and, like, blow this into a feature. So... So there's that. So, so when I, you know, I mentioned bitter experience, when I decided that I was no longer going to work a nine to five after I had my first kid, um, I was basically off completely for two years. I was on maternity leave for two years unpaid and I decided I was not going to go back. So I was like, all right, well, what the heck do I know how to do? And I was like, I know how to tell other people's stories to the, to the public. Like, that is what I have basically done my entire life. And now I freaking hope I can monetize this because otherwise I'm screwed. (laughs) So I, you know, luckily for me, a friend of mine invited me to speak uh, to a gathering of his, you know, business colleagues and whatnot. It was a small event. um, And I went there and I spoke about, you know, what my understanding was of what, how a pitch should look and how it should work. And people were completely blown away. And they were like, wow, we've never heard of it discussed this way. Some of the people in the room took frantic notes. And they got such ridiculously huge results following the tips that I shared that they were like, my God, like, you need to teach this. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you, universe. You're a sign. You know, this is what I need to do. So then I felt really, really confident. I had this moment of like, ha-ha, I win. Because I thought, well, I've been – trained by some of the biggest brands in the in the world on how to create compelling content, right? Because I've created stories my whole life for these big brands. So a media brand. So like this social media thing is gonna be a snap. It's gonna be so awesome. I hope I have time to pull myself a mojito before the money comes rolling. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sadly. That is not how it worked out. Because I got on Twitter and I got on Facebook and I did all the things you're supposed to do and I started to post and I realized that although I was creating the same compelling content that had basically gotten me fat paychecks my entire career, there was no freaking audience, you know, mm-hmm. and and the 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 deck is kind of stacked against us in that Facebook is a business, Instagram is a business. If they gave you all of that, you know, and back in the day, they did give you that organic reach. But as they've gotten savvier and their monetization um, brand or their business model has evolved, they understand that there are a lot of businesses out there, small and big, who want to advertise to the audience of the billions that they've created. So, you know, when you hear that there are 3 billion people or how how many of a bajillion people on Facebook, they're not all sitting there waving their credit cards and waiting to hear from you. They're busy living their lives and doing their thing. You you might as well be at a fairground. Hey, excuse me. Let me jump in for a second. We're sharing a lot of amazing things today, but you know, there's more. If you have a friend that you think will also enjoy this episode, don't forget to share it now. Do you like to listen on the go? Simply download this episode in iTunes. While you're there, subscribe and write a review so we can continue to bring you the most amazing content possible to help you be the best at being you in your life, business, and style. For more amazing episodes, go to our podcast library at www.7daystoamazing.com where you will find episode transcripts and additional resources. Thanks for letting me jump in. 
back to the episode. Plus, they have a different mindset, and that's the problem, too, because they're on social media exactly. for an To relax, exactly, to relax, to connect with friends, to live their life, to complain, to whatever it is that people do on social media that's kind of a, a blown-up version of real life. So, anyway, I basically learned the hard way that uh, this whole building of the audience is actually a completely separate skill set than the creation of content. And that's two full-time jobs right there because the building of the audience requires a deep understanding of analytics and metrics and, you know, paid advertising and all of the stuff that I had zero clue how to do. Content I was amazing at. And then, of course, there's, you know, the other full-time job, which is whatever it is people actually pay you to do. So, and then I had a small child that I wanted to be present for. That was the whole freaking point of creating my business was the freedom aspect. So I realized this was entirely too many jobs in a 24-hour period. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to hack the audience spot. So I was like, what do I do? Where am I, how am I going to go to where the audiences have already been built, are already being actively nurtured? Where do I go where people have a hunger for content? And it was one night when I was super stressed out. Everybody around me, by the way, was telling me that I was nuts, that I would, you know, this online costing was a stupid idea. What the hell was I doing? How could I be so irresponsible, get a real job, et cetera, et cetera. In the middle of the night, I I was like just feeling so stressed out and, and, and upset and sad. And suddenly it kind of clicked in my head. I was like, wait a minute, why do I not want to go back to my media job? Part of the reason, of course, was that I wanted freedom to be with my child and have flex hours and all that stuff. But the real reason, the underlying reason was I didn't like where the media climate was going. There were, we were producing five times the content with half the budget. The yeah. same staff was creating so much more content in the same eight-hour shift. You know, I, it's not just one story for TV anymore. It was that story for TV, that story again for network, that story for radio, and then you had to write a blog post on top of it in the same shift for the same money. It was crazy. It was very stressful, very much more competitive than it used to be when I first started. So I was like, wait a minute, how are they filling those holes? Well, duh, they're filling that, those gaps by getting in people that they don't have to pay, which as a business owner is like, cue the violin, people. That's <laughs> us. That's us. So we get to come in and we're out there doing the stuff, living the stories. Journalists are hungry for that insight. We come in and we say, hey, listen, let me tell you about a trend that I'm seeing with my clients. Let me tell you about this this question that a lot of people are talking about that you may not know about, but this this conversation is already happening around the kitchen table or the water cooler. Let me bring it to your screen so that when people see it on social or when people see it out there, they're immediately going to stop and want to be part of this conversation. Because let me tell you, the media is even more obsessed with social sharing than you and I are. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what, right? So what ended up happening is that by figuring out this piece, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to where the media, the media people have the big departments and the budgets to build the, con- the, to build the audience and nurture them. All I have to do is be like Pavarotti used to be, right? You show up <laughs> and you sing. That's what I do. So I come in and I say, I'm going to share five tips that are going to make your audience's life much, much better than it was, you know, before, they, before you got me on screen. So I'm going to figure out a way to bring value to your audience. And what that does is then after that, their social team shares those links. Their social team shares the videos and the articles and the whatnot. Google, even if nobody else was watching, which is not true, but let's assume, right? Let's assume 80% of the people that you want to reach didn't happen to turn on the TV the day you were on it, didn't happen to read the article the day, and we have a whole follow-up system for how we leverage that media. But Google notices. You talked mm-hmm. about SEO and being number one on the front page of Google. Think about this. You're listening right now. Somebody out there, assuming that you have any kind of name recognition, somebody out there is Googling either you or Googling the problem that your company solves. When they do that, instead of getting just your website where you could write just about anything, we all know people lie on the Internet. It's not just dating sites, right? People <laughs> are pretty savvy about that kind of stuff now. Instead of just your site or just your social profiles, what if the first few hits, the first few pages of Google 
were filled with links to Entrepreneur and New York Times and Forbes and Huffington Post, all holding you up as an authority in your field. Then when a meeting planner Googles you if you're a speaker or a prospect Googles you because they want to check you out before they get on the phone with you or before they go to your website and hit buy, that allows them to feel safe giving you their trust, their time, and their money. And that's, that's how we were able to grow our company exponentially, and we see this over and over with the students of my program. Absolutely. And the other thing is, for your, what, I, what I kind of said earlier, is for your own personal website, when you have, as far as SEO goes, when you have legit media linking to you in a story, it boosts the authority of your site, and it just puts your website Absolutely. higher on the page. And even if the link expires, let's say a lot of the times with newspapers, is they'll have the story, it'll be there, but then, you know, it has a timer, it's not there three years later. But you still have the link built in, even to their page not found, so you still get the link juice from being from being an authority and it's really helpful folks and you know I started focus on sell back in 1999 so I was like a you know I, I feel like I should have a prairie skirt you know a covered wagon on the internet <laughs> and in those days and and you know up until I would say the last but maybe five years ago four years ago it was really you know I had a massive 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 amount of traffic on my website. It was easy to do this stuff because there weren't that many people out there. And as the internet gets more crowded, it's not so easy, even for a site like mine, it's really not so easy to get the authority because there's just a million others. And I know you have an expression, which I love, and it's called borrowing someone else's audience. So you want to just fill people mm -hmm. in on that a little bit? Absolutely. So this goes to the whole idea of you know, with social, when you start, let's say you start your brand, you decide, okay, I want to start a company around being a speaker, I want to start a company around style, I want to start a company around executive coaching, whatever, whatever it looks like. You have to create a website, and then you have to go onto Twitter and onto Facebook and Instagram or whatever it is you decide that your ideal clients are playing, and you have to open up social channels so that you can start posting content, they can find you, they can have conversations with you. There is a huge value to this idea of broadcasting yourself. No question about it. It allows you to control the story that you're telling in a very powerful way. Mm -hmm. And I highly endorse it. However, it is not an overnight success type of, it's not that kind of tool. It is the long play. It is the medium to long term kind of play where you build that content, you do the work. It's like you, you know, you clock the miles eventually, it adds up to a marathon. You don't get to run that marathon on day one because you are building that audience from scratch. And it can take a long time and it will probably cost you a lot of money. And certainly, you know, like you said, you're going to spend a long time. If you want to create good quality, that's time consuming and your time is money. Mm -hmm. So, for me, I'm way too lazy to do that, and I'm just, I'm all about the what. It's, no, seriously, I'm just like I like results, and I get really excited by momentum, and I truly believe that a lot of entrepreneurs fail not because of lack of funds, not because of lack of time, not not even because people tell them that they'll fail. They fail because of a lack of momentum, and I know that. I know that I was very, very clear that in order for me to succeed, in order for me to get buy-in from everybody that I needed buy-in from, my team, my family, my clients, etc., I needed to create momentum and in a hurry. So the way that I figured that out was literally to, to say, okay, I'm going to go to where a company or people have an audience already built. They have invested in SEO. They have invested in the infrastructure. They're running paid advertising. They've clocked those years and years and years of, of backbreaking labor to build up their brand. Now, these days in, in a content marketing world, everybody is a content factory and media outlets more so than ever. So I was like, okay, so I see, I see how our needs align beautifully. What they won't do, and this is the mistake that a lot of people who pitch the media, so if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I tried doing PR and that did not work. So either you hired a PR agency to pitch for you or you tried doing it yourself, chances are you sent out a press release, which I think is probably the biggest mistake that oh. you can make if yeah. you want to get press. 
unless you're Kim Kardashian, in which case when you eat breakfast, it's news. Um, but for the rest of us who are not already famous, the press release is completely useless. So what I suggest you do is really think about, okay, who are your ideal clients? And always start module one of my course, um, we, we set as a foundation something that doesn't even have anything to do with the media. What we, what we realize creates exponential growth is a deep, deep understanding of who our ideal clients, who our ideal prospects are, what our niche, or as you Americans would say, what our niche is, <laughs> and, uh, right? and, what, um, and what sets us apart, what makes us different from everybody else who's out there in our space. And most people cannot answer these questions in a compelling way. And if you can't, then what might happen is that you will use some of our templates, perhaps. You buy some of our templates, you'll use them, you'll get some press. And you'll be like, oh, my God, I did it. That's awesome. And then you wait for the money to roll in, and it won't. And the reason it won't is because you haven't told the right story and or you don't know how to leverage it. And the reason for that is because the foundation that you built your media plan on was shaky because you didn't have a deep enough understanding of what it is clients truly desperately want and are willing to pay for. So I highly recommend that people really get clear on this. If you don't have another way out there, you know, get in touch with me, purchase the program, and we actually have questionnaires that you can get on the phone with. We've written it out for you so that all you have to do is follow the program. Actually, just do the work, like show up and follow, like go step one, step three, step three, step four. We've seen people's companies blow up because it's, yeah, this, it's is, this is where money is. It's it's totally possible, but the the other thing is what I what I want us to touch on a little bit too is being media ready. So when you do all this work, and this is something that I I, I see so frequently with women entrepreneurs, especially with with clients and mm -hmm. potential clients, they do all this stuff. But you know what what happens when the national news calls and they are possibly wanting to put the microphone in front of you and they're going to your website mm -hmm. and they're looking at your headshot mm -hmm. and they're looking at you. Do you look media ready? Does your website look like you're, you know, like you've got the expertise you say you have? Do you look relevant? Because if you don't look relevant in your brand image and your physical appearance, they're going to assume what comes out of your mouth. And unless you're really, you know, a total academic, they're going to assume what comes out of your mouth is not that relevant too. So, the, and then another thing I know, which is a real common problem, is a lot of people just look very, very local, very regional, which if you're local and regional from a big city, that's kind of cool. But if you're local and regional from a very small town and the national news is coming to you, everything about you needs to look national. And that's what I call standing in your star power or now with the Internet, international. So you need to look evolved in a way that a, a big network would say, hey, I want to go talk to her. So how do you work with people mm -hmm. like that and have them like really, you know, when, when they go knock, 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 we want to hear. That was a great pitch. That was really good. Like we want to bring you on the news. Um, so how do you right. make that whole, that whole package stand out? Well, it, there's a few different moving pieces, obviously, right? So you want to make sure that your message is clear, that when you put up a copy on your website, that it sounds like you, and it, and it sounds good. It's mm -hmm. compelling. It's sound bitey. This is another thing we talk about. Oh, sound bites um, are and, really you know, important. What you're talking about, right? Absolutely. So it, 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 what's the sound bite ultimately? It's just a portable, clever delightful. You know, when you when you sometimes hear somebody have an expression, you're like, oh my God, I never thought about it like that. That's so fun. And then you remember it, and then it makes you feel smart, because the next time you're at, uh, in a social setting, it's going to come out of your mouth, and everyone's going to turn around with that same delight and be like, oh my God, I'm so smart. I've never thought of it that way. And Absolutely. that becomes viral. And, and one, of right? the, one of the best things that a producer ever said to me, is she says, you know, Sharon, you give good quotes. And the same thing now is when, if you're not sure of what giving good quote is or what a soundbite is, is as I'm talking to Geeter, as I'm talking to guests, I'm scribbling down some things you said. I'm sneaking around. You're really good soundbites. And we will use them as memes. And we will promote them in social media and get the quotes that way. But it's the same thing. When you're on, when you're in the media, when you're being interviewed, to be able to get these like pithy, succinct statements that mm -hmm. kind of say everything or lure somebody into wanting to hear more. So that's super important. Exactly. 
Exactly. So that's one piece of it. And, you know, this is, I worry that this is going to feel overwhelming. It is like everything else. You do, you, you break things down into baby steps and then you do the work and it all comes together in the end. Now, Sharon is obviously the expert when it comes to what colors are going to suit you and, you know, what kind of outfit you should wear and how you're going to up-level your appearance. But one of the things I'm absolutely aware in full alignment on is the fact that your visual brand, so basically how you look, your website colors, and everything about your appearance. And we like to get really mad at people who judge us by our appearance. But the fact of the matter is when you have no other information, your appearance is often the first thing that's put on the table. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. we tend to have, as human beings, we tend to have as human beings a very visceral reaction, like or dislike or indifferent, to the appearance of something. It could be anything. It could even be a, a, an, an inanimate object. We go through this all the time. This is how our brains are wired. It's best not to fight it. It's best to use it to your advantage. It's a lot less energy and it's a lot more reward. So I highly recommend that you get professional headshots taken. Or if Sharon has a better system for you to follow, one of the things that I tell all my students is do not take a selfie and put that as your bio picture because it makes you look like an amateur. And the media, I'll tell you why that's a bad thing, okay? Having been in multiple newsrooms, and especially these days with media budgets being cut and so on and so forth, it's very, very competitive, which means if I'm a producer, a junior producer, and I've decided to book you as a guest, my butt is on the line. Absolutely. If you come across as anything less than absolutely fabulous, that's going to reflect badly on me. And guess whose head is going to roll? So, but... You yeah, but this, you look good, basically. But, yeah, absolutely. So your job is to, you know, the person who answers the phone, who's taking the call, who's on the booking desk, you're there to make their job look good. But when it also comes to your headshots, because, you know, I have my Simply Amazing Headshots program, and I do believe that you can take your own photos, but they shouldn't look like selfies. I mean, I did it for my book cover. Yeah. And it's because I was skilled. I've been on photo shoots for 15 years. You know, I understand what you need to do and how I, you could translate that to yourself because I think it's worse to have one of those like portrait studio horrible headshots with a mottled brown background and you're standing there wearing a corporate suit and your hands are crossed and it's just like so dated and horrible that's almost as bad as having you know the the seatbelt selfie in your car where you're putting on lipstick and you've got the seatbelt across you you know you need to have the happy medium that that looks so you look like a pro no matter who took the photo but better to have you know it just don't get one of those like stagnant in the box corporate horrible dated headshots people because as on media and I too have gotten tons of press releases and thousands remember with my column and even through content on focus on style and when somebody comes to me as an expert and they have one of those photos I don't even read it it's like as soon as you see it next yeah so important I would agree with that I think what I think the real and you know all of this feels like all of this could feel really really heavy where you're like well I don't know how to do any of this I, you know, I just want to throw up my hands or stick my fingers in my ears and just pretend and go la, 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 and pretend I can't hear this. <laughs> and here's what this, ultimately what Sharon and I are both saying is that the only rule to follow is get clear on what it is you want to do, who mm-hmm. it is you want to serve, what makes you different, and what makes you fun. What What is that special spark that you bring to the table that that will shift people out of whatever it is that they're stuck in, right? That is the energy. Ultimately, it's all boils down to energy. And all of us, we're all creatures of energy. We're, our bodies are energy. So you all you want to do is basically get your energy as clean as possible and then project that. So your style and the colors that you wear, Sharon, and, you know, the fact that you wear espadrilles and I don't and probably <laughs> never will, um, that's totally okay. There's no rule. Like, the rule, you know, there are a lot no. of styles out there. Right? There are a lot of styles there are no, that say, oh, yeah, you, you have to do, you have no. to have new nails and you have to have pale nail polish and blah, 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 and whatnot. And I, I don't buy any of that. I have always broken the rules about all of these things. And what I truly believe is that if you put something on, whether that's your message, your site, for the clothes, the makeup, 
if it makes you feel like a million bucks and makes you show up as the best possible you, it'll work. Even if it breaks every rule in the book, it'll Absolutely. work. If you because can pull that off with pizzazz, yeah. Hey, excuse me, let me jump in for a second. We're sharing a lot of amazing things today, but you know, there's more. Hop on over to FocusOnStyle.com and be sure to subscribe to become a Focus on Style insider so that you can start to live the life that others only dream about. Not only will you get instant access to the Star Power Flash Kit curated to help you and your business get out there, but as an insider, you'll also receive exclusive bonuses, amazing content, and access to special events that Sharon only shares by email. So, subscribe now at www.focusonstyle.com slash insiders. It's your time to be the best at being you. Thanks for letting me jump in. Back to the episode. Yeah, because you'll be confident. It's the bottom line is exactly. if you feel good in your skin and you're, the be- you're showing up in the best you can in that moment and not stressing out that my visual message is out of whack, my written message is out of whack, I'm trying to pitch a story to something that I don't even believe in because I think somebody's going to want to listen to it, all that stuff shows. So it's just getting yeah, clear on, on who you are and being you and, and realizing that the people on the other side of the camera, the, you know, the ones on TV, they're like, they're no different than you and I. They just trained a little bit to be able to, you know, have that spark. You know, they're not all Ron yeah. Burgundy. You know? <laughs> it's just the ones who really no, know, are just, they're them. Their personality brand. you watch. Yeah, and if you watch, you know, watch anything, any any show, watch the, you know, television, or if you open a magazine and and read through the articles, you will see a huge diversity huge. of types of people and types of brands that are all media worthy, and there is plenty of room for everybody in there. The real challenge is to clean up your mindset and feel more possible. It's it's that feeling when you bring that feeling to the table. I have had people who are brand new to business. When I was a journalist and I was making some of these booking decisions, I've had people who are brand new to business, who are just launching something, who are doing something so so totally cool and innovative that it's brand new and there's no proven market to it. And I will put them on the air. I have put them on the air because they have just such tremendous energy and vivacity Mm -hmm. that I'm like, this is a good story. Just to be able to share this energy with my audience, this is a great story. So if you can do that, the story kind of writes itself from there. And the training that I provide and that Sharon provides and the guidelines that we provide, that just gives you a base from which to build. Those are the drills that you do as an athlete so that in that moment when you're on camera, when you're on the phone giving an interview or you're in front of a microphone, you will be able to break the right rule because you're so relaxed that you're Absolutely. able to be fully present in the moment. You will know exactly when to break the rule and when to follow it because you're not so stressed out and your mind is not crowded with all the different things that you forgot and that you're worried about, blah, 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 blah. You're fully present. You're able to play and, and channel, you know, your greatness. There's no other way to put it. It sounds cheesy, but there you have it. It's, it's true. It's absolutely true. And you'll be, I mean, it really boils down to you'll be compelling. You'll be confident. You'll be compelling. Yeah. And you'll be you. Yeah. And you can't be unless yeah. every, you know, unless you have a little bit of training in advance too, to so so that it does become natural because it is scary. I mean, for me, when I transitioned from being on one side of the camera as a stylist and the other side of the media as a journalist, creating the website, having it like a magazine, and now putting myself forward where it is more of a personality brand, it's scary to me. on being on the front end of the oh, camera because I know from the back end, you know, that that there's a wrinkle in that shirt. Maybe I didn't say that the right way because I mean, I've been the I've been the one critiquing on the other end so for me it's even more difficult but you know what when it's time to go it's time to go you just like clap clap chop chop and it's on with the show and you know you can do it and that I think is the most important thing is being compelling and and being trained to be able to get that out there and get that message out there so yeah. I like to leave with a couple of really, because you've had said so much. There is so much value in this, people. I just want you to, like, <laughs> rewind the Sangeeta. But let's just do a, like, crib notes here and see if you could give us just a couple of really short sound bites <laughs> of what someone can do yeah. in the next week to make their life more amazing. So the very first thing that you can do is believe. 
there is no shortcut. And believe is a habit. And I will tell you, Google anyone that you admire deeply, you know, whether that's um, huge multi-billionaires like Richard Branson or Oprah or Sarah Blakely at Spanish or whoever it is that you admire and look up to, Google any of them. They all, without exception, have stories of falling flat on their faces for most, at multiple times and sometimes for multiple years in a row mm-hmm. before they finally made it. And the reason that they made it is because they fell in love with the process. They fell in love with the journey, and the only way to do that is to first of all believe that you're going to make it. And I'm a huge believer of, of building belief as a muscle. It's like you break it down into small tasks. So in terms of pitching or media, if you decide that you want to do this, if you want to have hack an audience and borrow an audience and get your brand out there in a really huge way, then put some time in your calendar every week. You put 30 minutes a week. My students are doing this and they're killing it. Put 30 minutes a week in your calendar and say, okay, I'm going to fill out a pitch and I'm going to Google some journalist's names and I'm going to send it out there. And if you want a free challenge, I have a free resource for you to use, which has all of this lined up step by step. You can absolutely use it. But then what you have to, what what is going to cement your belief that you are the kind of person who's going to succeed is actually showing up and doing the work even if nothing happens from it. Mm-hmm. You keep showing up and doing the work. You pivot along the way as in your instincts will kick in. Your, your intuition will tell you, oh, you know what? You haven't tried. Try this. You know, make, pick up the phone this time instead of sending an email. Do this. Do that. Whatever. But I can't tell you what that's going to be because it's custom to you and your life and your message. But that download will come only if your bum is in your feet and you are there, present, and available for the intuition to show up, for inspiration to strike. So the first part is believe. The second part is show up. And those two are very, very closely linked because the more you show up, the more it will reinforce your belief that you are going to make it. Mm -hmm. Not because you have results, but because you are the kind of person who doesn't give up. And that is really, more than anything else, the secret to success, especially huge success, audacious success, the kind that people write about, the kind that people tell each other as inspiration. That's the kind of success I'm going for. So I'm, I'm telling you what I do in my day-to-day life um, to, to actually build this muscle. So that's belief, show up, and then, you know, play it forward. So a really beautiful, profound uh, piece of, of um, gifts that I got from one of my mentors is a system called plus equal minus. So this is from Frank Shamrock, who is the most unlikely mentor you could imagine because he's a, a mixed martial arts fighter. He's the undefeated world champion. He's this guy who can basically size you up in less than five seconds and take you out before you have a chance to <laughs> say hello, if he wanted to. If he wanted to. But he has the most relaxed, he's just the nicest, coolest guy. He's kind of like my Yoda. And he <laughs> shared the system that he's used. He shared the system that he's used to build several multi-million dollar businesses to get him from being abused as a child where he would get locked in a closet. He had a broken back that he recovered from to become the world's leading MMA fighter. That's, that's unheard of, right? This is the system that he used, and here's how it works. When you are trying to do anything in life, whether that's improve your marriage, become a better friend, launch a business, improve a business, whatever, you have a plus, which is somebody who is way ahead of you, who has done and accomplished what you are choosing to accomplish. So you reach out to them for mentorship. So they're your plus. And they have to be somebody that you admire, that you're open to being coached by. Your equal is somebody who is a competitor or a collaborator. So somebody that, who's on an equal playing field. You reach out and this gives you a good idea of the lay of the land. This is going to give you some great insight into niches that you can be tapping into so that you're like, okay, this person owns X, Y, or Z piece of the market. I'm not even going to bother going after that, but I see that this whole area of people are being left unserviced. That's where I'm going to go, and that's going to help you make more money quickly. So that's the, the equal. And then in order to keep the chi going, as Frank would say, or to keep the energy flowing, because you have received from your mentor, you are sharing equally with your equal, and now you must find a minus. You must find somebody who can benefit from your mentorship. And that's how you keep the cycle of energy going. And Mm. you share openly and joyfully with them. And this has changed my life. 
That's amazing. That's fascinating. It's so simple. Yeah, it is so simple. It really is so simple. And it's just, you know, I, I think also when it comes to mentorship, you know, a lot of times people, you know, you're afraid to ask. And, and, and even if it's not really big mentorship, I know it. One thing on social media is Twitter is really fantastic, people, that if there's someone you want to ask a question to and you want to open a door mm-hmm. and you don't know them, just like you'd be amazed mm-hmm. at like I'm amazed at who follows me on Twitter and I'm amazed at questions I've asked. It's also really good for customer service when something's really big, like hello AT and T. You know, it's just tweet mm-hmm. them. But if you, there's someone you want to talk to that you want to mentor, just ask them a question, a simple question, open the door there, and maybe that's a good way to start a conversation before you email them, call them or meet them somewhere. So it's it's it just that's levels of playing field in so many different ways that you can you can actually talk to very high powered people, and just a hundred yeah you can't take it much further but you could open the door you can knock knock you know yeah yeah I think I, it's funny that you say that because one of the ways that we teach people to leverage the power of the media that they do get so for example I write for Inc and Entrepreneur and Huffington Post. And so when I want to reach out to somebody who's way out of my league, the way that I usually do it is I reach out and I say, hey, I would love to interview you for my column. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, hey, why don't we get on Skype and I can waste 30 minutes of your time. Right, and exactly. I don't even buy a coffee because we're in different cities. Like, how lame is that? Um, so instead, I'm like, hey, listen, I, I, I read your book. I loved it. I implemented X piece of your book. And it created Y results in my life. And I would love to share you with my audience. Do you think we could hop on a call? No one says no to me. I have built the most insane, unreasonable relationships with people using this technique. And nine times out of ten, the energy is amazing. People, highly successful people, typically are very, very down to earth, are really cool. They make fabulous pluses. They're actually looking for good mentees because I'll tell you, it is there are very few good mentees out there because most people like to hear stuff but then what they sit there and do and be like yeah but that won't work for me for x y or z reason i tried that and they just they're not coachable they don't listen so if you're the kind of person who's good at listening and great at implementation which i try to be then people love to mentor you because they're excited about how their success is going to be amplified by your success because that's usually how Successful people's experience success is that, you know, when they're able to contribute to somebody else's success, that's an amplification of their own success. So, yeah, you know, reach out, build these relationships. If you want to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship and get on a 30-minute call and have really big names, big, huge, successful people not say no to you, then that's another way to leverage the power of the media. But if you want to but, – but you're absolutely right, Sharon, because you can absolutely get – that knock-knock, you can get your foot in the door and keep doing it. The trick is to keep showing up, right? The mm-hmm. trick is if you want to use the Twitter tip, then schedule it, do it. And if it doesn't work for the first six weeks, don't stop. Or, or modify it, but don't stop the habit. Modify the habit. Maybe you don't want to be on Twitter anymore. Maybe you want to do a different thing. But don't forget what your objective was and don't forget to do the habit. That's I guess what my big takeaway would be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and also another thing we have is my mother's motto was never say die. <laughs> just never say die. <laughs> just just keep, you know, believing keep that you going. can do it. Keep going and just keep going and with perseverance you will win. So and it's true. And all of this stuff is you gotta show up every time. You got it and you never you're never too big to learn more. So <laughs> agreed. And be, you know, just, so the three tips, let's just, let's just do our crib notes real fast. And then I want people, you said so many different ways people can contact you for resources, but we'll get to that at the end. Right now, just believe, show up and pay it forward. And when you want to find more of Gita, where do we get you? You said you had that really great challenge. You know, you have your website, you have your program. What is the best way? Baby got books. I know you like to talk about babies. So tell us a little bit more how they can find you. (laughs) Awesome. So if you've listened to all of this and you're like, man, I could use some media right about now. Um, I would love to get my feet wet. I would like to basically try before I buy and see if this thing actually works for me. Um, If you'd be willing to put aside 30 minutes a day for five days, 
So over a week-long period, so you can, you, know, you can have a few days where you can catch up or whatnot, go to babygotbooked, that's E-D, booked, babygotbooked.com forward slash challenge. And what we've done is we've put together a five-day challenge. The videos are really short. They're less than 20 minutes a day. And I basically walk you through, A, understanding the true opportunity that the media represents to you. This is way beyond exposure and credibility. I mean, I give you a sense, right? I, I use the media to reach out for mentorship. There's a whole bunch of other creative ways that you can use the media to grow your business that doesn't even have anything to do with being in front of a bigger audience. There are lots of different ways to exponentially grow, and I'm obsessed with them. So this is where I share those ways with you so that you can see what applies to your business and customize your plans so that you're doing what works for you, not what works for me or somebody else. That's day one. Day two, we talk about how to build credibility in such a way that when a producer is Googling you or when she's looking for an expert on, a, on your topic, she's going to pick you. So I tell you exactly how to do that. Day three, we build relationships with journalists, and I actually share a free tool that's going to help you find almost any journalist's contact information without having to pay for it. Oh, yes. And then day four, I teach you exactly why the press release is such a terrible idea and what you should do instead. And I even give you an actual blueprint, a template that you can follow that's based on our Baby God Book style pitching. And it works. People have landed dead ducks from it. People have closed million-dollar deals based on some of this. It's, it's quite amazing what people have used them for, and they, they work. So there you go. And then day five, I show you how you can pull everything together in a system and then leverage your media and turn it into something that is predictable and not a one-off. And that's when I will introduce you to the program should you be interested in buying it. So that's the five-day challenge. It's 100% free. Um, if you just go to babygodbooks.com forward slash challenge. And there, there really is no one out there who has their own business, who has a message, or even as simple as if you have an association, if you have, if you're even the mom at the PTA, if it's your, you know, place of worship, you're having an event, you're having something and you want bigger reach. There's so many, you know, one of my favorite quotes from college, which I love, uh -huh. is, um, I believe it's from David Ogilvy, and it's um, uh -huh. advertising you pay for, PR you pray for. And, yes, you know, you don't need to always pay for advertising. Get your PR, do it right, and listen to what Gita is saying. So even if it's not just your business, if you've got a message you need to get out there, this is the way to do it, people. <laughs> this is a really good way to do it. What this so, is basically going to do is it's basically going to teach you how to tell your story in a way that makes people want to listen. If you want to use that in a media context, great. If you want to use that in a sales context, amazing. If you want to just use that to make, get your kids to do what you want them to do, do that. This uh -huh. will work in a whole bunch of different contexts. Obviously, I hope that you will get out there in the media and then play a huge game and then, you know, call me up or send me a testimonial or send me some kind of, you know, reach out to me and be like, hey, I took your program. You did this. I love it. It worked. That's going to make me so happy if you did that. So, yeah, play the biggest game that you could possibly imagine and then add 20% and play that. Yeah, I, I I just think this is brilliant. And I want to wrap it up now. I think we've had su such an, a really meaty conversation here and there's just so much so listen people rewind take notes if you didn't do it the first time if you come to focus on com, you'll see the transcript below so you can read it we'll take some key notes there and if you're listening on itunes don't forget to share this with your friends who also might need a little pr boost to get out there and do it the right way and learn how to pitch and promote yourself and be credible and be seen as as a leader in the media and you know what there used to be what like internet superstars nothing beats seeing your name in print nothing beats seeing yourself on tv trust me like that little ego in there it's like so true oh i so did true. it i really did it now i'm an authority and people look at you the same way differently so, yeah. they, they look at you differently it's true it cements that belief piece that we talked about in the three takeaways right you Absolutely. want another way to to, to Solder that, but to sort of that belief right into your soul, then you know, get it out there and have other people say it. It just it helps you believe even harder. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, that's another one of your good things. Like, bring a wingman, and the media becomes your wingman, kind of. You know, it's like Absolutely. it's there, it's talking totally. for you. And when it's legit news, it's 
hey, baby, it's legit news. You know, you might be getting your news on Facebook, but there's still media out there you're reading it from. And that really puts you in a different level. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for being here. And um, this My is great. Pleasure. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks you're for having welcome. me. You're very welcome. That's a wrap. Well, not so fast. We covered a lot of amazing things today. But what's your biggest takeaway from this episode? Hop on over to www.focusonstyle.com to leave a comment and keep the conversation going. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to become a Focus on Style insider. Not only will you get instant access to the Star Power Flash Kit, curated to help you and your business get out there, but as an insider, you'll also receive exclusive bonuses, amazing content, and access to special events that Sharon only shares by email. Subscribe now at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. It's your time to be the best at being you. So don't forget to subscribe at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. See you on the next episode of the 7 Days to Amazing Podcast with Sharon Haver, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week.